Hello, beautiful people. My play Tinkerbell is currently running at Adventure Theater MTC. Directed by Nick Olcott and starring Michelle Pilera in the title role, this multicolored tale tells the familiar story from Tinkerbell's point of view, including her meeting a Peter Pan and triumph at the Battle for Neverland. Pirates, puppets, fairies fighting in more than a few goof-em-ups. Go to adventuretheater-mtc.org for tickets and performance information. Tinkerbell now playing at Adventure Theater MTC. Before we begin, a quick disclaimer. In an effort not to interrupt flow, I have not edited out any fleeting expletives used during some of the song's samples. I just wanted to give you a heads up in case this does not suit your current listening environment. All right, here's the show. Whenever my world falls apart... I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is an actor who can currently be seen in the role of Peter Pan and Tinkerbell. It's Carlos Castillo, everybody. Hey, everybody. How you doing? I'm doing great. Good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Or thank you for being had, I guess is what, that's the funny <laughs> thing to say. I should have said to come down here and talk about... American Idiot. Don't want to be an American Idiot. Don't want a nation under the new media. Hey, can you hear the sound of hysteria? This subliminal mind fuck America. Welcome to a new kind of tension. All across the alien nation. Where everything is invented. How did American Idiot come into your life? Uh, it was the first Broadway show I ever saw. Uh, oh. Yeah, so uh, I was like this huge punk rock head in middle school and most of high school. Uh, so I followed the band religiously, of course, and on their website they had all these ads for American Idiot on Broadway, and I was like, oh, what? And my mom had sort of gotten me into musical theater when I was like younger, so I sort of knew what Broadway was, mm. but like not really. And I was like... Uh, I, I have to see this. I have to figure this out. And that, that, at the time, I wanted to be a rock star, definitely. Oh, okay. And, like, I was playing bass and singing for uh, a lot of punk bands. And then I saw that on stage, and uh, I was like, oh, I got to do this. I want to do this. <laughs> so that that it's kind of responsible for a lot of uh, what ended up happening in my life. Okay. So, and yeah. so you would have been in high school around this time? Or? Uh, I was... Just finishing middle school. I was 13. Okay. Yeah. When the show came out. When the show came out. I saw it in New York. Yes. Oh, wow. All yeah. right. Very original cast or with a... Uh... Uh, it was right before it closed. Uh, Bill, oh, okay. I actually saw Billy Joe. So you saw Joe. Billy Joe. Yeah, okay. I saw Billy Joe, which you was... saw Billy Joe come back Incredible. Oh, very cool. It was incredible. Right on. All right. Um, yeah, this is a show uh, that obviously, I mean, everybody I think knows about it. It seems to be more popular now they kind of, I mean, it was very popular when it came out and then kind of dipped. And now it seems to be back again. I've seen people are doing it locally. Yeah. It's popping up a lot. Yeah, it's it's a good show to do, especially like for techies and stuff like that. Because, uh, I mean, like it won Best Lighting and stuff like and Yeah, and well, set, set, right? Yeah. Well deservedly. And I think that became iconic after mm-hmm. a certain amount of time. And also I think when it came out, people didn't quite get it. I think especially the... the um, Tony voters and stuff like that. But um, I think now that we've seen a lot of other stuff that are similar to it mm-hmm. come out and be more popular, uh, I think that, I don't know, it 
people are starting to sort of get more into it. Well, it's it's also unfortunately relevant again. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was. Well, it's a funny thing about like it's a show that like Tommy, you know, is based on a album, yes. obviously. But unlike Tommy, when Tommy, you know, came out in 69 and then didn't make it to Broadway till 93. Right. By that point, Tommy was Tommy. Like it was a yeah. known quantity. Everybody knew Tommy. Right, People right, were right. Kind of wondering, why hasn't Tommy ever been done on stage? There'd been a movie, you know, stuff like that. But American Idiot, the album came out in 2004 and didn't make it to Broadway until 2010. So there was this sort of like the album had come, been very popular, faded, and then you know, like Reading. five, six years later, the album, the the show comes out and it was, instead of being in the middle of the Bush administration, we're now at the beginning of the Obama administration exactly. and things are a little, the attitudes are a little different, um, which I sort of remember at the time, it feeling a little bit like they should have, they should have waited yeah, a tiny bit. Yeah, a second bit. too later, yeah, a second too early. Exactly right. And now, since it's, I think, mm-hmm. come around and people have known and it's a known quantity, it is... You know, I mean, it did run for 422 performances, as the internet tells me here. So it's yes. not, you know... It wasn't, it wasn't a failure a flop, by any means. But it was no. very expensive, kind of famously, with yes, the set and exactly. the lights. Super expensive show to do. Um, now, before... This will be interesting for me. I know the album, the original album, very well. Yes. I know the cast album less well. Uh, my wife is a huge fan of both of those things, however. There's a lot of plot in this show, so I'm not going to ask you to go the whole way through, but do you think you could summarize uh, at least hit yeah. the highlights so, of the plot for American Idiot? Uh, I always saw it as a kind of modernized hair. It's this sort of uh, mm-hmm. rebel without a cause Jesus story. Uh, the, the central character, Johnny, a.k.a. the Jesus of suburbia, uh, sort of just sees no meaning in his life in the small town of Jingletown, USA, so he decides to get up and pack up and leave uh, to the big city to try and find meaning. And he finds drugs, and he finds a girl, and there's this sort of push-pull between the two. And um, basically, it ends up he ends up making the wrong choice and sort of just ends up going back where he started again. And, like, it's this very kind of cyclical okay. sort of story. And then there are the two side characters. There's his friend Will, who gets his girlfriend pregnant, and has to stay home the whole time. And, like, that's kind of a funny element because he stays on stage the entire show and he's just on the couch the whole time. Oh. While all of his friends go off in their adventures and he sort of, like, keeps us rooted in suburbia. And then Tunny, who's uh, who goes to the city with Johnny, does not find the same things and gets sort of uh, seduced into the military Mm. uh, and goes to war in Iraq and... That's another subplot that happens. And his lives or he lives. lives. He okay. uh, he gets injured though. Oh okay. Um, ah yes. Yeah. Well that is. And then there's also yeah there's a lot of, I and mean, there's a lot of characters. Yeah there's um, uh so there's what's her name who uh, Johnny meets right. uh, in uh, and she has some of the best songs in the show I think. I would agree with that. Uh, yes definitely and that was Rebecca Amy Jones. She actually stayed the whole run for that. So oh I saw okay her. so you did she get was, to see her. She was okay. In, incredible oh cool uh, i saw her a couple of years later in hedvig too yeah yeah a, yeah she's yeah ridiculous she's really great ridiculous person yeah um and uh then uh saint jimmy who is not real he's uh johnny's id basically right okay we'll get to yeah, saint so jimmy that, in a second that, no that's that, fine that and then there's also the other character is heather who is will heather's will's girlfriend, girlfriend who right. gets pregnant and uh the extraordinary girl who's a combat nurse that tunny meets Oh, okay. Uh, well, oh, that's who she is. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's okay. Anyway, moving past that for a second. Yes. So Saint Jimmy. Let's start with Saint Jimmy because <laughs> this was a part of the the funny thing about listening to this as an album. Of course, is that there's really it's just Billy Joe Armstrong singing. Yes, all the parts. Yes, and so with any kind of rock opera like that, Tommy's kind of the same way. They do. I mean, Pete Townsend sings a little, and and Keith Moon sings a little, but their voices are not so distinct. Right, that right. You, you, it's still it's the same vibe. So, while it was always clear to me that this show, that the album had a story, mm-hmm. it felt a lot looser and kind of like a mood piece. You know what I mean? Like it was right, just a absolutely. lot about the mood of the time. Absolutely. But when they really sat down and put a story to this thing, uh, Michael Mayer and Billy Joe Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you ended up with this sort of like having to calcify this character of St. Jimmy, who, of course, one another problem being that when they have a character named Johnny and Jimmy, it's easy to get them confused. I always got them mixed up until Billy Joe Armstrong, I think, took over the role. Yeah. And so St. Jimmy. Yeah. Here, so here's the thing. <laughs> Explain. I, I've read enough about this now where I think I understand it, but you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Who is Saint Jimmy, and what is his function? This is the thing so, that I've always been confused uh, about. Midway through the show, when uh, Tunny joins the army, mm-hmm. uh, Johnny has a bit of a break. Uh, he hasn't found what he like needs from the city, and then his best friend has sort of abandoned him. So he has a sort of psychotic break, and he sort of creates this alter ego in uh, his own mind that is St. Jimmy. Uh, in his mind, St. Jimmy's his dealer, and that's how he mm. functions to us throughout uh, the play. We And we just see him as this, like, sort of awesome, cool guy who, like, gives him heroin and uh, makes him feel good and uh, pulls him away from the light that is uh, what's-her-name. But during Letter Bomb, which is when she, uh, she breaks up with him and, like, kicks him to the curb she reveals that saint jimmy is just a figment of his imagination so that kind of becomes a reveal to the audience as well okay um and the uh the first movement of the homecoming piece like because they're the two five movement pieces like bookending the right the show jesus is suburban and homecoming exactly uh, so homecoming is starts with the death of saint jimmy which sort of represents johnny sort of getting clean getting sober okay um and jimmy commits suicide quote unquote which is the part that always confused me okay so that that makes a lot more sense so that that it's more of a the death saying that saint jimmy committed suicide is more johnny just saying yeah he is killing that part of his personality exactly that makes a lot of sense all right (laughs) that there's a lot going on in this show and it is really like so many characters so much so much plot and it's so funny to listen to it with all the different vocalists and kind of get a sense of who the different characters are and who's expressing what opinion and i think you're absolutely right the women kind of have the best the the most to do vocally in this show and the most interesting kind of bits with that totally um and i was really struck by that now they don't kind of pop up into the recording until the second half, really, which is actually a funny. I think the second half of the show is stronger than the first half. I don't know if you feel that way musically anyway. I, I agree, definitely. Yeah. And um, I think also Tom Kitt had more to do with the orchestrations later mm-hmm. in the show. Because I think so much of the first, like, the setup needed to be that iconic 
like Green Day sound. Right. And then I think later on, I think later on there are also more, they also added more songs because American Idiot, the right. musical is not just American Idiot, the album. It's a couple songs off 21st Century Breakdown. Right. It's a couple song. Uh, it's a couple B-sides. It's a couple like tracks that they just never released. Right. Um, which, which makes a big difference. I mean, it's really funny how... I mean, the album has hits on it. I mean, yes. American Idiot's a hit. Holiday's a hit. Boulevard yes. of Broken Dreams yes. is a hit. They're three of the first four songs we hear. Yes. Um, off the, of this album and then off of this show. So you are kind of hamstrung by the fact that you can't... You can't move those songs. Exactly. And you can't take them out. Because the audience, if they're coming to see this thing you can't mess with the beginning exactly at all but you like you say you can kind of mess more with the finale exactly and put in or at least the second half and put in this yeah the songs from which i didn't realize 21st century breakdown has 21 guns yes excuse me which is probably the most famous song from the list but was last of the american girls is also Uh, last of the american girls uh know your enemy which saint jimmy sings that's right that's that's kind of the climactic before the lobotomy yeah yeah before the lobotomy lobotomy. yeah before the lobotomy is used really interestingly and it's actually a really gorgeous moment dreaming i was only dreaming of another place and time where my family's from Dreaming I was only dreaming I Of soldiers uh in like the the med camp sure they're all injured and it's like just this moment of like disillusionment it's like i came to fight for a cause and this is meaningless Mm -hmm. and i'm just in pain and everyone around me is dying and that's all so (laughs) this is amounted to (laughs) so this this brings me to another question (laughs) about this show i don't I don't know how to ask this question without sounding condescending, but I don't <laughs> oh, trust mean it. me. I've heard okay, so, so much. So here, here's I'm just gonna. I will l- defend this show too. Good, and nail. please and please do because here, here's where I'm at. As and as I often do on this show, on on this podcast, I this is not a show that connects with me emotionally. Okay, neither does the album really. But as a piece of like rock opera ness, I love I love the album. The show disconnects with me a little bit, and I want you to help me at least understand the point of view of it, okay? So that's where we're at. So here yes. we go. I don't think... Billy Joe Armstrong... I mean, is, uh, talking... Okay, so I'm 38. Yes. Green Day broke when I was actually the same age you were when you saw the show for right. me. Yeah. So we're right there at that, mm-hmm. in that, in that yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And Dookie came out and, like... Didn't it didn't change the world, but it was a huge album when it's a I was about in my thirteen. Opinion. Yeah, it it's is. Wonderful. It's a fantastic album, and I was thirteen, fourteen when it came out, so it was perfect for me. Mm-hmm. Watching MTV every day, I still think the video for Basket Case is unbelievable. It's so great, uh, and the hidden track, of course, on Dookie is amazing. But anyway, all that aside, all I myself. Yes, <laughs> one of the first songs I learned to play on guitar because it's very, very easy. Yeah, to play. it's very easy. Um, the uh, the thing about Billy Joe, however, as a lyricist is 
he's really good at making words sit on his melodies. Yes. Or, and technically the band gets credited, but mm-hmm. I, I believe it's probably mainly just him. Mm-hmm. He really he's really, really good at that and making like logical sort of rock poetry. Yes. Where you know, he's he's which is not to be understated. I don't want that to sound like an insult. That is not easy to do, and he's very, very good at it. Yes. And however, when he's trying to get metaphorical and poetic, he his imagery loses me. And so, like, for example, before the lobotomy is a good example. The lobotomy in before the lobotomy, I guess, is well, is what to your in your in your estimation? Well, that's actually just the title of the song, which I think they couldn't change. But they only use like, again, it's interesting. I'm gonna sort of go on a tangent here because please do no. Um, take us on the, a journey. The world Carlos. of the world of 21st century breakdown is a little bit different from the world of American Idiot, just because yes. that was after Green Day met Tom Kidd, and Tom Kidd did oh. a lot of the arrangements that you hear on the album of 21st century breakdown, and you can hear it in the album. I think 21st Century Breakdown is not a fully realized concept, and I think it's kind of them trying to recreate the same magic they did with American Idiot and not yeah, quite yeah. as successfully. But there's some good tracks on it. Oh, sure. And uh, But Before Lobotomy kind of has two movements. There's like this intro section mm-hmm. that is all that they use in the musical. They only use the intro section, and they never really go into the actual before the lobotomy section, which is this hard rock section that exists only on the 21st Century Breakdown album. So I think using before the lobotomy, that that beginning of the track was just to create that sort of pathos in the military moment, like when you see all everybody in, um, in the hospital. Sure. Uh, so I think that that was kind of cool that they could sort of take those melodies. Sorry, restate your question again. Well, like, so exactly. no, you've actually kind of answered it because so then it, it is this and it, it was it's this problem of adapting hit songs and an album to the stage. And you just sort of hit upon it beautifully. Is this like it's the same problem with the first four songs at the top. There are certain things you cannot change. Yes. Your fans will not allow you to change them. Right. That song is technically called Before the Lobotomy, but the lobotomy part has been excised from it. Yes. And we are only using the intro section. Exactly. Okay. And it and it create and it fits in really perfectly because that, that's my it, thing because musically it's great. Mm-hmm. I was always down with it musically, but then you look at your phone and it says before the lobotomy. You know, that's the no. title and you go so what's happening in the show? Like that's the moment for me. I'm like yeah, what's exactly. happening in the show that oh, makes this yeah. a lobotomy and I'm trying to extrapolate Mm-mm. what his metaphor is and you've just told me no. it's 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 gone like it's the, gone. the metaphor has been the, remo- removed and it's just the title of the song it's just exactly okay. exactly they just used the uh the melodies of that intro section and they have to use the title because, because that's, well, that's the, title. the title i mean that's it's the, the title of the song. song right but it means something totally different in the context in of the show than it does in the context of 21st century breakdown i've exactly. got you okay great Good. We're making progress. <laughs> and before the lobotomy goes right into Extraordinary Girl, which is sort of Tani's fever dream about... Like, the Extraordinary Girl, yeah, the right? Extraordinary yeah. Okay. Girl. And is that from 21st Century Breakdown as well? Extraordinary is from, Girl is from American Idiot. It's from American Idiot. Okay. All right. We're going to figure this out, Carlos. Which We're going to get to the bottom of this. It, they, they did some very clever, like, just, like, piecing together. And well, I think that, yeah. that was absolutely a collaboration with Tom Kitt. And Billy Joe and Michael Mayer, I think they they worked very closely together. Well, the one I got very clearly is the marrying of Last of the American Girls and She's a Rebel. Yes. That is a beautiful medley 
basically, of two songs with two very distinct hooks. And yes. they're blended together really, really nicely. I can't Absolutely. remember where She's a Rebel appears on the original. Does it's, it? It's an, it, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's in the middle. It's in the same it's in spot. The middle. It's, oh, it's after Give Me Novocaine. That's yep, what it is. Okay. Exactly. Um, Which is interesting because Give Me Novocaine is Will's song in the show. Right. Uh, and it um, it's just that kind of um, feeling stuck and yeah. useless. And then there's this... And then right after it comes, she's a rebel, and it's like, and the, that's the, the introduction ama- of what's her name, correct? Yes, yeah, yes. Okay. That, then the amazing life that Johnny's having, and Will's, right. and again, like at least the way the show was originally staged, Will's still there. Like he's he's that's stage really left the entire staging. he's stage left the entire time. He's often not in the light, but like he's usually just there smoking pot and <laughs> drinking that's beer really, on the couch. Really, really interesting. Yeah, that's amazing staging. But so that that answers one of my questions. But it still has this like. This overarching issue I kind of have with Billy Joe and this piece specifically is I find that I often run it when he, he they didn't because they didn't change a lot of lyrics. They changed pretty much for, no lyrics. Right. There's some specificity every now and again, I noticed. Yes. Um, to make sure. It, and it might actually more be in the arrangement now that I say this to make sure you know exactly who's talking about who um, and varying moments uh but on the whole you're, you're right like they didn't really change a whole lot and i i kind of wonder if that's where because they, they do in t- I, I hate to compare the show to tommy but there is it's it's just an inevitable comparison sure, of adapting an album to to the stage mm-hmm. tommy has a much much looser plot yes so it's an easier move in right. in my opinion right. um but there were even times where they changed lyrics to make the scene make more sense because in right, Six right, and right. Nine P Towns is just writing really whatever fits. And in this, it feels like in literalizing, like in staging and literally staging some of the more poetic rock moments, Right. I get kind of lost in a little bit. And Give Me Novocaine is a good example. Take away the sensation inside Bittersweet migraine in my head It's like a throbbing toothache of the mind And I can't take this feeling anymore Drain the pressure from the swelling The sensation's overwhelming Give me a long kiss goodnight And everything will be alright Tell me that I won't feel a thing So give me Novocaine Yeah, no, it's not like the... Yeah, okay, so good. Yeah, yeah we're no, in... No, this I've... is exactly the song I, I thought got you I was talking lyrics, about. I got you with lyrics, I think, actually. It's, yeah. <laughs> and it, it works in the sense that, like... obsessed with that album, but okay. No, that's fine. I totally, I don't, that's, because that's the thing is, I don't want to sound like an old stodgy music theater guy being like, you know, but it is, there's a, there's a certain limit, there's a certain wall I hit with Billy Joe as a lyricist that I don't, never with music. The music in this, the show is fantastic. And that will not be, that cannot be disputed, I don't think. Uh But if you like, if you like rock music, there's no reason not to, to love this. But with, yeah, the lyrically, it kind of gets, 
it almost feels like he f- he's trying so hard to make these metaphors work that uh-huh. they end up feeling so belabored and so just like I get it. Like you can stop now. I completely I, get it. I don't know that it's necessarily Billy Joe's intention, and I doubt it was his intention when he was like nineteen and writing Dookie. Oh, totally. But at this point, I think the belaboredness of the metaphor. For, to me, is an element of the commentary on the peop- on the pe- kind of people that these people are. Okay. They're these suburban 20-somethings with no jobs. Right. And have lived in the same place their whole life, grown up with the same people, and see all of this, like, culture and history that you know, America represents through their TV screens. Mm. And I think these are people that think they're deeper than they are. Oh, that's good. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, there's, okay, there's a monologue that Johnny has. Again, I know too, I know the show too well. Well, that's but, why you're uh, here. Right? He's, he goes, uh, <laughs> he goes, uh, to the city. I, I held up the local convenience store to get the money for a bus ticket. Actually, I stole the money from my mom's dresser. Actually, she lent me the cash. <laughs> uh, <laughs> am I allowed to curse? You're, I'll, yeah, I'll okay. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, and that, but, but, the, but the thing is, like, he's so dissatisfied by the fact that he has no struggle. Well, in that his he's life. not hard. Yeah, that's, that, that's pretty and, cool. And I think that that's the point okay. of the show. Sure. Is this sort of rebel without a cause, pissed at the world for all the things that are going on, mm-hmm. but you live in all this privilege, so you have nothing really to complain about. And um, I think that that's where all those empty metaphors come out of. I think that they, especially from this dude, Will, who's, you know, he's not ill-equipped to care for a child. He has, you know... He just would kind of rather not. He would just rather not. Exactly. (laughs) Because his friends are out having fun and discovering themselves. Totally. And, you know, he's just like, out of body, out of mind, kiss the demons out of my dreams. Like, this, like, very woe is me. Sure. Like, Hamlet lament, uh, but not not with the nuance of Shakespeare. You know what I mean? Totally. I, I think that, that that's what that means to me, and that's how I kind of connected with the piece. Okay. Uh, I mean... Well, because, so no, that's good. Because that, you know those people. You know those... You've met those people. See, now that I really like, and I like the commitment, If it, it, assuming you're correct. And let's just assume you're correct, because <laughs> why not assume the best of people? Then that makes it actually kind of brilliant. I don't know if that's Billy Joe's... Yeah, I don't know if that... ...intention, or if that's Michael Mayer's, then like, listen, let's just lean into this... Yeah, this the way that this is how this sounds to me. So let's lean into it a little bit, mm-hmm. and that sounds great. So then again, ha- Michael Mayer is also a dude from Rockville, Maryland, who grew well, also right. grew up obsessed with the album. So he might be that kid too. Well, that's he may. another thing. You yeah, know, it, it might not be ironic for those because I mean, you know those emo kids, but also Billy Joe is one of those kids. Or was one of those kids, and so was Michael. Oh, totally. Mayer. So it's possible that a lot of the um, that was an accident. But I think 
it still serves. Well, with a monologue like you just delivered, I don't think it's totally by accident. Yeah. That's a very pointed, like, I have a view, I have a image of myself I want to project. Uh-huh. And I, but it's, it's so false. I think yeah. you're right. Like, Green Day rep- represents, at least for me, in this sort of, like, pop punk mold, this thing of, like, we're just kind of upset. Yeah. And we don't quite know what we're upset about, and everything's really fine, but we're just kind of angry in general. And it yeah. a very, it's a very real emotion, and it obviously resonates for a lot, a lot of, people. of people. A lot um, of people. And the more honest, if that's what they're going on, like maybe that's why I find this album so satisfying because if you're very honest about this, like you don't have, and it comes through in the in the cast album, this idea of like, you don't actually have, late in the show we get this, you don't actually have any problems. Like you're no. just, all your problems are self-imposed, so knock it off. Yeah. Um, which kind of, I think comes out in Letter Bomb, I think is where you feel this sort of like, what's yep. your name's release of like, yeah, just, exactly. just be, be a grown up for crying out loud. Yeah. Which... It, it, but I wonder if it's why, like, it resonates more truly with me. With like, there was a song that they have on—I don't remember which album—the uh, song "Minority." Mm-hmm. You know, "Minority." that song but the anger in it always felt very disingenuous to me it felt like they were trying to find things to get mad about uh unlike in earlier stuff with like even on nimrod we have songs like uh hitching a ride and um the grouch i can never remember oh yeah oh yeah i love no. the song the grouch the grouch is a great song i was a young boy that had big plans now i'm just another shitty old man what did i burn and i hate everything getting angry at the right thing like that's anger directed at this like i don't want to be this grumpy guy sitting on a couch saying i don't want to be my old. parents but like they got lost for a little while and then came around and had something to actually get mad about which is the iraq war and this i mean the opening song says so much about that like absolutely you know who i don't want to be uh and honestly that was why um if i was ever to compare this show to anything i would compare it to hair yeah that's a really good comparison because it's kind of the hair of the Bush era. And when, mm-hmm. when you think about it, all of those kids grew up to be the baby boomers who voted for Reagan and then voted for Bush. Right. And 
you know, lost the dream. And lost voted for the, Trump. Let's, let's yeah, not, we don't and, have to put too yeah, fine a point. And then it. voted yeah. for Trump. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was just... And know, voted so. for Obama. I mean, I think that that's that cross-section of the, like... Yeah, exactly. The Obama-Trump voter that everybody's so mystified about. I'm like, uh, no, that's, well, that's no. a pretty easy line to draw if you know those people I think. exactly exactly yeah. because they they want to keep their status right and um so the children of that status don't believe in what their parents believe mm-hmm. but they still feel a right to be angry yeah and i think that it's the same case and also the parallel uh both johnny and claude see themselves as this jesus figure uh yeah. you know i believe in god and i believe that god believes in claude you know that, yeah, yeah. that sort of thing uh, and he has, and there's all of that empty poetry that Claude says in, uh, in Where Do I Go, mm-hmm. in uh, Manchester, England, England. Like, he's yeah, yeah. obsessed with this very spe- these very specific things. And it's so, like, teenager, 20-something, like, want to be mad at the world, but well, and doesn't he's a have the I mean, the thing yeah, about exactly. Claude that doesn't... I'm so glad you brought up hair because uh, it's an amazing show and it's a, 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 a very, very underrated show. I agree. Uh, and agree. one that people who know me have no, may or may not know that I did it freshman year of college at Catholic <laughs> U. And so it's like, right, it's right. in the stem of my brain. Oh, I want to do that show. Oh, it's so such badly. a great show. But it's always to me, I'm going to rant for a second here, but I, we're on the same side. Uh-huh. It is always done wrong. <laughs> okay. It's always done, at least on the professional level. Let me put right. it that way. It is always done with a polish, with a like aren't hippies fun kind of corporatized version. About the most recent, yeah, Broadway. the Broadway revival looked like a Starbucks hair to me. It looked I mean, so I love dissatisfied. I love Will Swenson, and I love. I love the cast. Yeah. The cast was incredible, but like it was no, shaved yeah. chests and very nicely like coiffed hair, right? With no, you're really right. nice costumes. You're right, and the show is dirty, yes, and ugly. And ends. Also, the singing was too good. It's too you know good. what yes. I mean. The show needs to be needs to be. I will accept really good singing because you're right. I'll accept that if everything else feels yeah. kind of grimy, it doesn't though. It, it doesn't. feels very touristy. And hair is a rough show. Right, it is a very rough show dealing with some very real stuff. And what does what always gets kind of forgotten is the the plot, such as it is. Hair doesn't really have a plot, but the plot, such as it is, is the Claude will not burn his draft card. Right. Like, that's the central problem. It's several times throughout exactly. the show he tries to burn his draft card, and he can't do it. There's actually a pretty funny bit where he burns a card we think is his draft card, and it turns out to be his library card. Yes, I remember. Uh, and so at the end of the show, he goes to Vietnam, and he is killed. Yes. And that is the end of the show. He dies mm-hmm. and has nothing to say because he's dead. Like you say, his empty poetry and his rhetoric and his stuff about being finding a place to belong in the world is all for nothing because he will not make this ultimate, he will not stand up to the ultimate exactly. force and as a result, and pay the price. I mean, and go to jail. Like, he has a very real concern and as a result, he gets killed. And so Hare having this, like, very raw, visceral response to a very real terror, uh-huh. this show does feel like a response to that. Like, if Hare is the Vietnam musical, yeah, no, this I is think the Iraq War this is musical. The Iraq, I, yeah. I think that it, that's exactly what it is. And, uh, I mean, it, it's reflected also in the character of Tunny, uh, you know, when he's seduced. Uh, the, the song Favorite Son uh, is what is sort of like Tunny's seduction into the military. First, he sings Are We the Waiting, right. which is like the Jesus of suburbia is a lie. This is not what I came here for. And then Favorite Son, it's interesting because uh, it was originally sung on the cast recording. Uh, Josh Henry, who's doing Billy Bigelow in, uh, oh, in Carousel, Carousel right, right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Uh, he's uh, and he's amazing. I, I saw him. He was great. Uh, not in Carousel in American Idiot. In American Idiot. Um, yeah. And he uh, starts the way it's staged. He starts on the stage in his underwear, and you know, you know how Josh Henry is built. Yes. It's like, big yeah yeah big guy. So uh, yeah, he's really big. Stage, <laughs> age with in his underwear with the entire female ensemble just like going all crazy over him. Mm. Uh, sings this like gorgeous song, which um, is literally about Bush. The song is about Bush. Uh, it's it was, it's a B side from the punk compilation album Rock Against Bush. He hit the ground running at the speed of light. His star was brightly shining like a neon light. It's your favorite side. It's your favorite side. A fixture on the top. getting dressed he's sort of like it looks like he's just putting on a regular suit and then the very ending reveal when he puts on the sunglasses he's on he's um in full military regalia Mm -hmm. and that image is so powerful yeah uh and i think it's really interesting because the two demographics like Tunny, who sort of represents kind of the trailer trash, angry, young white kid. And then uh, Josh Henry as like a young black man who's, uh, you know, already established in the military. The the two like demographics that the military sort of like will, yeah. you know, sort of take in and seduce and lie to in order to get their life you know totally and to, well to get their service and, and to get which their service leads yeah into, exactly yeah and then life. in the before the lobotomy number you see both of them on the medical on on like the um the beds in um oh in the in the hospital in the hospital oh, wow. so it, it just like all comes very full circle in that sense um but yeah it, um idiot talks about those same kind of issues that that hair brings up um yeah that's a, that's a much better comparison also than tommy's which i'm going to stop making that comparison yeah because tommy ultimately isn't about anything the musical puts meaning onto the show we've just seen right but there's no greater metaphor to tommy being deaf no. dumb and blind american idiot definitely yeah. has that sort of metaphor and um i'm trying to remember what you were talking about with claude uh just that cowardliness yes right which he does share with johnny i mean johnny is and yes. that monologue you, you you gave is a perfect representation of that. That mm-hmm. he views himself as a rebel mm-hmm. and a hero and someone with something to give, but uh-huh. ultimately he isn't. And his sin seems to be looking for that easy way into uh-huh. being interesting, into being into yeah. being cool. Uh-huh. And he finds. I mean, it's a really simple message that he finds it in drugs. Uh-huh. And actually finds it, it's so fall. I mean, so great. The metaphor of St. Jimmy being him, his id, while I think might be a little labored, the great thing about it is that it is him. He's his own problem. Yes. The problem isn't drugs writ large. You know what I mean? The problem isn't society. He's his own problem. His refusal to face reality is his problem. Exactly. Exactly. And um, 
the the show is pretty much sung through. I don't know if have you ever seen it staged. I've not seen it staged. I think okay. if I had, I would have I would have fewer questions probably. About right. It. Yeah. Because it's strung together with mostly Johnny's monologues. Okay. Uh, there most of them are like letters home or whatever, and it's fun. It's amazing because Michael Mayer didn't write a lot of it. He just stitched together a lot of. Uh, if you if you buy the actual American Idiot album, mm-hmm. there are little letters like th- all of the songs are written in letter form, like to ah uh, okay, like uh, to what's her name from Jay, sure, like and whatever. So all of the monologues are sort of like letters home or postcards or whatever, and a lot of the words from the monologues are poetry that Billy Joe wrote. Like there's mm. there's even uh. He even uses the words of before the lobotomy at one point, like the rock section. He's like, um, b- right before letter bomb, life before the lobotomy, Johnny sang the eulogy, remember to learn to forget, I never liked you anyway. Like, it's <laughs> it's so petulant and hilarious. But it's great because that particular monologue leads right into um, letter bomb, where what's her name's like, this is all bullshit. Like, how get over yourself and grow up i'm out i'm out of this this is this is not what i signed up for you know yeah and you get which is a lot of people i think i mean it it, it seems like that seems to be a a, the running theme of all the characters is that there's something that i wanted there's something that i quote unquote signed up for and then i didn't get it like i discovered that the thing that i wanted isn't what i actually wanted um the two there's two songs I wanna I wanna zero in on um for you and sort of get your impressions on because you're mm-hmm. you're I'm getting so much out of it, Carlos. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. The first is actually I'm gonna start with the finale uh, yes. and ask about what's her name. Thought I ran into you down on the street. Then it turned out to only be a dream. I made a point to burn all of the photographs She went away and then I took a different path I remember the face but I can't recall the name Now I wonder how what's her name has been this is where, to compare to Hair, we end Hair with "Let the Sunshine In," which is right. this glory. I mean, is this glorious finale of the characters basically demanding that the audience like cease its. I mean, that's where actually Claude does actually get poetic. We starve, look at one another, short of breath, walking proudly in our winter coats. Wearing smells from laboratories Facing a dying nation Of moving paper fantasy Listening for the new told lies With supreme visions of lonely tunes Somewhere inside something There is a rush of Greatness who knows what stands in front of Our lives I fashion my future I'm films in space Silence 
tells me secretly After the chorus sings the lines from Romeo and Juliet, mm-hmm. of eyes look your last, we get the rest is silence into they pick up the mantra and the chant and demand the audience basically let the sunshine in. Like, right. let, like stop all the crap and let the, the natural sunlight mm-hmm. in. And it ends on this very rousing charge basically to the audience. Uh-huh. This show on the for a direct contrast, yes. which starts with an amazing rock number, ends... And I'm a little disappointed in the show that it's played on a piano because it's gorgeous on the acoustic guitar. It ends in this very down, reflective number. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how that clocks for you in the theater. For one thing, I do agree. Uh, well, because... With the which way, part? The, the, that, uh, the piano okay. thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's, so, it's so Tom Kitt. And it's <laughs> so the Tom Kitt that I don't like. Because... Uh, uh, what I love about how it ends in the album is it's much sim- it, you're right it's much simpler it's just like this like little riff thought I ran into you down on the street then it turned out to only be a dream I made a point to burn on a little bit more and I think that that actually is more introspective in my opinion yeah. than how the piano goes uh, but you know musical's got a musical uh, <laughs> uh, I like that uh, <laughs> I like the, again I like the vocal arrangements like, yeah, I like I like no the vocal arrangements are great really and I nice think they, yeah. they add they they make it three-dimensional and yeah. um I, uh, Billy Joe has actually talked about that. He's like, you know, I can barely sing, so yeah. that was amazing <laughs> that like Tom was able to do all that craziness. And um, but so for, where are we for, when we land? Like, uh, we're that? back in jingle in jingle. But I mean, town. like emotionally, oh, like emotionally. If we start with this sort of like I like okay. I like the idea of so starting every, with this rousing anthem mm-hmm. and ending with this quiet introspective moment. Yes, but where does that leave us? Do you think, character wise or as an audience? Um. I think there there's just a sort of uh, closure, a sort of finality um, to having an understanding of who you are. Uh, okay. Because because there there's with all that um, irony that we've talked about with the rebel without a cause thing. There's this kind of dramatic irony that we know that these characters are like this, mm-hmm. but they don't know that these they're like this. They think that they're these social justice warriors. And they, they think that they're the real heroes. Um, and uh, again, you have I feel like you have to see it staged because he has a, a monologue in that last little instrumental break where he talks about, like, at, in the end of it, she was right. I am an idiot. Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. the title of the show. Roll yes, credits, good, whatever. Yeah. You know. <laughs> uh, but, and it's so simple and it's so stupid, but it makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, the title of the show is American Idiot. And the 
dramatic irony sort of exists in that lack of self-awareness. And I think what we get from what's her name is again that self-awareness, that understanding that it's like, oh, I'm not that important. I messed up. Well, and the and irony... I, I still I mean, have to live my life. As you're saying it to me, the irony occurs to me that, you know, he starts the show saying, don't want to be an American idiot. Yeah, exactly. And he is. Yeah, and he, he is. sort of ends. But that, it's an interesting moment from what you're saying that there's a lot of different shades of that. Like, he's, ne- he's not the things he doesn't want to be. Uh-huh. Um, the the all the very specific imagery they use in American Idiot, like right, right. He, the, he's not, not the redneck agenda. Yeah, he's not. He's not those things. Yeah, but he's his own special kind of like, blah. You yeah, know, like, that that in a way enables all the things that he hates. Yes, exactly you know? right. That he is, his refusal to take sort of re- responsibility for exactly, his own self. Exactly. Does, is that what he's doing in that number to you, or is he just sort of? Has he not reached that point yet? Is he? I don't just know if like, he's, he's reached the point where he's going to take responsibility. I think he has reached the acceptance phase if that makes uh, sure I guess. awareness anyway or awareness yeah he's yeah. just sort of realizing what he really is yeah yeah and now he's on a different journey yeah um exactly and um the 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 whole like i remember the face but i can't recall the name right um it's just so frustrating. <laughs> uh, if you, if you, especially you know, if you followed this character through this whole journey, it's like, man, I can't remember her name. Yeah, it's just like well, because he wasn't it, it. It's in a gener in a most generous reading, and let's again, let's be generous. Yes, of course. There, see, there is this thing with what's her name where he's not. He, he a doesn't ever really know her. No, because then we starts with she's a rebel and yeah. last the American girl. Like it, it's it's a very She's being lauded. She's being held up on a pedestal. Right. And um, there's also this great sequence, uh, Last Night on Earth, which is from 21st Century Breakdown, mm-hmm. uh, where they do drugs together. And it's just that it sort of seems like an encapsulation of a lot of their relationship is just them, you know, high out of their minds and just experiencing each other in this very visceral, super uh, like superficial kind of way. Um that you know only exists on heroin right uh and it's uh so it's them doing drugs and saint jimmy is singing a love song Mm -hmm. to them that's that's how that's how it's staged that's where we're at that's where we're at and it's which makes sense because oh totally it it absolutely makes sense because it is a very interesting down it's a show that deserves to end on a down note but Mm -hmm. it's an interestingly for a loud show it's interesting to be so quiet Yes. At the end. And, and and I always did find that to be... And the album is the same way. Yes, um, exactly. It's a very interesting place to stop. It reminds Especially me after Homecoming, which is like kind of the 11 yeah, o'clock number. Yeah, long, and then you know, it, like you say, five-part number where there's yeah. all kinds of... Everything's happening in that song. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. And uh, that it's it's uh, the, that's the part that Trey and Mike, the bass player and the drummer, mm-hmm. had their hand in writing. Because uh, like there's... Uh, Nobody Likes You, yes. which is Will's ultimate cathartic moment, which mm-hmm. is one of my favorite moments in the show. <laughs> I actually, I, I I played Will, so that was... Oh, so okay. We were, Where'd you do the show? Uh, with this community theater company. We were the first people to do it in D.C. We did it right, right. before right before Keegan. Uh, recent Helen Hayes Award winner Bobby McCoy music directed it. All right. It was uh, it, it was fun. We had, we had a good time. We were right. just like all uh, high school and college kids just 
Sure. Doing doing a doing American Idiot. It was nice. great. I no, but I played Will. So you have a connection to Will. Yeah, I've I have a little bit of a connection to Will. All right. And uh Nobody Likes You was uh it's <laughs> it's so simple. It's just like it's a great anthem. It's a great it's little, so, yeah, little and, fun moment. And when you get the context of like having seen Will this entire time, just uh and there's a simple move because the couch just moves center stage mm-hmm. for that moment where it's been stage left the entire time. And it's like he hasn't moved. He hasn't yeah. gone anywhere. His life has left him behind. Yeah. And that's amazing. And then uh, after that comes Rock and Roll Girlfriend, which is like uh, he, at this point he's broken up with his girl. Well, his girlfriend has left him mm-hmm. uh, and she has a new boyfriend. And uh, I don't know. It just allows for a moment of silliness because Trey Cool just wrote that song. I'm sure like. It's it's the well, stupidest thing in the world. All his songs have that feel of just like it's yeah, the stupidest kind of thing off in the in world. An afternoon. Yeah, it's the stupidest thing in the world, but it's just so satisfying to see, and I'm so glad that they found a place for it. Um, and then like, but the the song ends uh, with homecoming and like with everybody coming home. Tunny, you know, comes back with the extraordinary girl. He's lost a leg. Um, and like, there's just this sort of sadness that the dream failed but at the same time uh relief that everybody made it back and everybody's friends again uh and then uh the whole chorus like out to the audience is nobody likes you everyone (laughs) left you they're all out without you having fun bound and like that's it that's it (laughs) yep and we're out (laughs) <laughs> and we're and we're out, and then we get into the introspective right thing, like like what you're saying, because so the action sort of the play sort of ends with homecoming, mm-hmm. and then we all gather around to see what we've learned. <laughs> well, and it's a coda. <laughs> it's an, it, yeah, you do exactly. need you can't just stop on that though. Like yeah. that's so you're right. Yeah, you need to you need to have you're something right. to to bring you back down again. You're right. Um, Speaking of which, so the other song I wanted to focus in on, though, is my favorite song in the show, which is not on the album, uh-huh. and uh, the original album, and I think you know where I'm going with this, uh, which is 21 Guns. Yes. Does the pain weigh out the shocking to me it's not on the original album because it fits so well with, right now i know uh 21st century breakdown is also kind of a rock opera yeah it's piece. got is a, sort of a theme it's not, to it the plot is not as clear but it uses uses way more musical tropes there are like reprises mm-hmm. there are um multi-movement pieces there's there's three acts to there, it yeah there's three acts there's um the They're prologue. much more musical-ish 
like harmonies. Mm-hmm. They're they're elements that sound like they could be in cabaret or uh like yeah, it you can tell that Green Day met Tom Kitt. Yes. At this point. You know what I mean? It's it's a very interesting moment in their evolution. And it won Best Rock Album at the Grammys. Yeah. Uh, which is cool. I mean, I know a lot of m- me and a lot of diehard Green Day fans called it 21st Century Letdown. Um, oh, okay. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, there are a lot of people that are, um, especially punk rock kids, mm-hmm. are very, 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 very purist. I mean, oh, yes. m- the real purists will say that Green Day stopped being a punk band after Dookie. But... I would uh, say the real purists would say they stopped after Kerplunk, but that's, that's true. That, that's <laughs> they that's, stopped with Dookie for a lot of yeah, people. exactly, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, I think uh, at this point, purism is stupid, and bands are allowed to you know have their own evolution. And I mm-hmm. think Green Day, in a lot of ways, has really stayed true to themselves in a really cool way throughout their whole journey and like they've experimented in really cool ways. Mm-hmm. I don't think 21st century breakdown totally works, but there are a lot of cool elements that sure. are worth listening to. And like you said, 21 guns is really a cool thing that could have worked in American idiot and therefore does in the music yeah, in the show. Yeah. And it comes around cause know your enemy is right before it, right before immediately it. before it. And we're trying to think of where that, cause that's not on the album either. No. Um, so what's the last song before? Is it when it's time? Nope. That's not it when either. it's time that if I can say something Please about do. that real, that's a song that Billy Joe wrote when he was 19 to his girlfriend at the time, who is now his wife of like 20 something years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, it reads exactly that, like like a song that a teenager wrote for a girl. Mm-hmm. It uh, feels, it really feels, it's very kind of emotionally stunted almost that like when Johnny sings it, it feels a little yeah. anticlimactic. It's beautiful, but it has this sort of anticlimactic vibe to it that's really yeah, interesting. Yeah, well, they're the, um, and again, the way that it's staged is that Jimmy's on stage and sees him like committing to this person mm-hmm. and has to sing No Your Enemy to get him away. Mm-hmm. And like that's when he's like roused into like this again like drug-induced psychotic break uh he has a couple of those yeah because uh, <laughs> again he's he's a coward who can't deal with his own emotions so uh so his brain has to get into his own way uh and uh he like goes ballistic uh comes at her with a knife i think during know your enemy oh wow and 21 guns is when is her like getting him off of the like kind of talking him off the ledge that's that's kind that's of the how moment. The show goes, and then that's we get into. I mean, twenty one. Yeah, twenty one guns is this rig. Like, it's a really neat moment in the ca- uh, the cast album where all the characters are. Yeah, exactly. Together, they they uh, they're. I mean, again, they're all in their like separate places. Right, but they're all singing. Too, but exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so, um, and then I don't know. I, I was gonna say about when it's time. It's it's interesting. Um. I love John Gallagher Jr. as, like, a vocalist in that moment, too, because, I mean, he's not, he never, like, has claimed to be, like, a singer-singer, mm-hmm. but it's, you recognize that person so much, like, that that little, that pop-punk kid who just has no idea what he's getting into, but he has feelings for a girl, so mm-hmm. he's gonna get out his guitar and start singing. Yep. <laughs> it's like you you hate that kid but you also love him at the same we all time understand. i think and you know i was i was that kid so yeah, we you were know. all that kid at some point um 
whether we actually literally took the guitar out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everyone has those impulses when you're a creative human being. Exactly. So, but then know your enemy has to happen because he can't have that. Yeah. His his mind can't let him have that. Yes. And then um, twenty one guns has to happen because you know he he becomes violent and she has to talk him off the ledge. And it just becomes yeah. Well, and all the right. women you're right. come with like the, the extraordinary girl and Tunny and Heather and Will. They all kind yeah, of the, come together. In that, that culminating moment just for everybody. We gotta. And that's a moment where the metaphor works for me really well. I mean, the metaphor of the twenty one gun salute. Yeah, exactly. Actually plays to me of this like the the sort. Of, I mean, it's not celebrating something that has died, but sort of recognizing that things have changed and that there's a respect to that. Right. F- does follow three through to me of this idea <laughs> of there being, you know, and the chorus is, I mean, you know, lay down your arms, give up the fight is very like, just call it quits. You've got to like, you got to shut it down. Absolutely. Um, now, again, like the lyrics don't translate that great, I think, to all the individual characters, but whatever. It, it's a beautiful song. It's a rousing arrangement. And right. And really, it works for me on, on, on several different levels. Right. They did that arrangement at the Grammys. Uh, to, oh, they did? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think it because it was the year that, yeah, because Idiot had just premiered at Berkeley Rep, mm-hmm. and um, and of course with almost you know, the whole Billy, cast, right? These yeah, it was with the whole cast. Yeah, yeah. The the um, so an American idiot, not uh, not American idiot. Twenty first century breakdown came out that year. Yeah, around the same time. Yeah, not exactly. Really no, they, yeah, they same year. They yeah. were right. They were writing American Idiot the show as twenty first century breakdown was like in demos and like. That's so funny. Yeah. No, it was it was A right at the same time. Busy year. Yeah. Yeah. Busy year for Green Day. Yep. For Tom Kitt for all. Tom kinds Kitt. Of everybody. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. That's really funny. so. Um. So Green Day was up for all those awards. So they mm-hmm. decided to do the idiot arrangement of Twenty One Guns at the Grammys with the whole cast of. American Idiot. That's um, good cross promotion. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> it was great cross promotion. What's your favorite song? Uh, I got it. That's really hard, but I think uh, Jesus of Suburbia. I'm the son of raging love. The Jesus of Suburbia, the If you picked five songs, technically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, the 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 five movement piece is a tough thing to wrap your head around, especially in like a rock album. I mean, it makes more sense in a rock opera, but uh, I don't know if you've ever seen there there the music video for it. Um, they made a music video. Oh of it. no, I never saw the music video for it. Like when the album came out, and it's very much the spirit of the American Idiot musical. It's just like this, um, it, it's more centering around, uh, this mom, this, uh, mom's relationship with her son, mm-hmm. because of course, like music videos rarely have that much to do with, um, the song that, right. You know, it actually is. Yeah. Uh, but it, it sort of, I would, I would watch that video on repeat so much when I was like, 
12, 13. <laughs> um, and just, I don't know, feel understood in a lot of ways. Right. Uh, it's, it's, it's great. And it, it, it's it introduces you in the context of the musical it introduces you to a character the characters such a creative kind of way mm-hmm. like the the choice of who sings what how we get introduced to will how we get introduced to tunny i don't know i there 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 used to be videos of me uh play <laughs> playing playing every movement on guitar bass whatever instrument Ugh, i I was an interesting child. Uh, <laughs> um, we all were. That's and uh, <laughs> that's great. You really okay? So, in all seriousness, like you, 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 you haven't turned I me. Mean, haven't turned me around, but I didn't have that far to get turned. But <laughs> you've really made me appreciate this show in a way that I wasn't sort of take. I, actually, I would say take it more seriously than I probably was before. I think right. that your hair analogy is is outstanding. I think that's really. It's a much better lens to view this show through than the tommy lens which is right. kind of how it was viewed i think it's so much shorter than i remember it being every time the, the original album yes yeah. yes and um, this too actually i always imagine this being i mean it's like 70 minutes it's it i for some reason in my head i imagine it being like a two yeah. hour like well the whole show journey. is an hour and a half no intermission yeah it, it really feels it, it flows yeah it moves really really well and does a really really nice job that's also punk rock i mean not uh, excluding Jesus of Suburbia and Homecoming, which are, you know, opuses. Right. I mean, if you listen to, like, OG, uh, like, Circle Jerks, um, Minor Threat, all those, like, er- 80s and 70s punk bands, their songs are, like, a minute long. Oh, yeah. There's a band. <laughs> it's There was a band called Plow when I was in high school that was, like, the big Delaware punk band. Their oh, yeah. CD, one of their CDs had on, 26 songs scene. oh yeah <laughs> I, there was a thing man no we, i, we had, I we had, well because we had um it was all centered around newark where the university of delaware was so right. it was like all the college kids in mm-hmm. the punk scene and th- there had this album and i'll never forget it was 18 songs and the cd was 18 and a half minutes or 19 minutes long i mean it was just this like i remember even thinking guys seriously <laughs> you can those songs are so fast and so short that you barely call them songs. They're sort of just like ide- like musical ideas that are getting thrown out. Uh, but hey, whatever. The, it was a short CD. It flew yeah. right through. It was kind of barely an EP, I think, at 18 minutes, but that's fine. Um, that was awesome. Thank you so much, Carlos, for Thank you. coming down and talking about this. And now you can be seen in... Tinkerbell, Tinkerbell yes, your play. as Peter Pan. Indeed. I'm yeah. so excited about it. Good. I'm well, so we're excited to have you and excited to see you up on there flying. Yeah. Doing that. <sighs> yeah. Woo-hoo. As we record this, Carlos doesn't know how that's going to happen. And yes, it's, you have, you're going to have to come see it to find out. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a thing. It's going to be a real thing. Thank you so much, Carlos. Thank you. Oh, where can people find you online? Or can they find you? Uh, they can find me on uh, my social medias. Uh, I, my Insta is at C Castillo Music. I think that's most of where I post like updates and stuff that I'm doing in my life. I'm working on a website this summer. All right. Well, you're out of college now. You yeah, exactly. Get Working on the it. workforce. Indeed. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. The original cast is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts from the convenience of your iPhone and or check out the original cast on Stitcher if that's how you get down. My thanks to Carlos Castillo for coming down and talking to me today. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. You to
was all by myself. No one was looking. I was thinking of you. Oh yeah, did I mention? I was all by myself. All by myself. All by myself. All by myself. I went to your house. All by myself. 